Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant. So good to have you here with us today. I'm pumped that you're here. Not only do we have a great guest, but actually this is the very first recording that I'm making in my new house in Nashville. So many of you may know that we recently moved here. So super pumped to be here. I'm sitting in my new office. I love it. I've got a beautiful view right now. I'm checking out uh, as the sun arises over the hills of Tennessee. It's beautiful here. So excited to get this rolling in this next chapter, this next adventure here in, in the Nashville area. So if you're in the area, or if you're going to pass through the area, give me a shout sometime. would love to connect with you. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to see you. That'd be a lot of fun. So enough about that, though. Let's get to today's interview. We've got Joe DeSena, who is the creator and founder of the Spartan brand. Now, you may be familiar with Spartan if you are into uh, endurance races or maybe you've done any type of like mud race or anything. There's a bunch of different types of those races out there, but Spartan is one of the more well-known brands that exist in that market and it's become a huge, huge, not only a huge market, but really a huge company and what they're doing. They will have over a million people run their races this year. And it started from just kind of an idea, something that he was kind of doing on the side, something he was playing with, something that he had a buddy who was just pushing him and pushing and pushing him to start. And he started something really, really cool. So excited to get into the story and journey today. So uh, let's not waste any more time, my friends. Let's dive right in. Enjoy this interview with Joe DeSena. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by Joe DeSena, who is the founder of Spartan Race. This guy's been an entrepreneur. He's got his hand in a bunch of different stuff. Recently started his own podcast, Spartan Up. We're going to talk all about his story and journey today. Excited to get into it. So, Joe, what is up, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's pretty early here in San Fran. I know. I appreciate you getting up. And you, we were just talking a little bit beforehand that you've already knocked out 200 burpees and you got another 100 more for the day. So even though it's early and the sun's not up out there, you're not messing around. We got to get it done every day. All right. So for someone that may not be familiar with Spartan, how would you describe? I honestly, I haven't done a race yet, but I've done several marathons, half marathons, triathlons, century rides. So I'm familiar with it. And it's probably the next iteration of something I want to try. But give us an overview of what is Spartan. It's funny. I've never answered the question this way before, but I'm going to throw this out. There's an image in everybody's mind when they hear the word Spartan, right? Whether it's the movie 300 or just a, a way to live, a sparse uh, lifestyle. And so if you have that image, that's what the company's all about. And part of it is the race, which is a military-inspired obstacle race. So you're climbing over walls, you're crawling under barbed wire, you're jumping over fire. We're purposely putting athletic-based obstacles in your way at the most inopportune times to really mentally and physically break you down. And when you get to the finish line and you get that medal, it actually means something. You start to become transformed. Uh, in addition to that, we've got a philosophy. We wrote the book Spartan Up. We've got the podcast. We've got a curriculum coming out where people can actually learn how to live this way. We've obviously got clothing and gear. We've got a community of millions of Spartans that are attempting to live in this style of living. Right. And, and what's interesting is you know, they say you're an average of your five closest friends. Right. And so what we're finding is people that enter the race or listen to the podcast or read the book and start to get new friends, get involved in the community, they, they literally transform. What do I mean by that? They're going to bed earlier, they're waking up earlier, they're eating healthier, they're training, they're going after it, which is probably something you're covering in most of your podcasts, sure. right? How to, sure. 
how to just have a, I love the word passion, right? I love perseverance. I love prioritization. So people are learning how to use those tools, those attributes to get through life. So it sounds like, I mean, from the outside looking in, most people I think that are familiar with, with Spartan are more familiar with just the races themselves. But it sounds like you're wanting to create something that's much, much bigger than running, you know, three miles or eight miles through some mud. Yeah, I think that's really for me, the race is just a test to see if you're living the life. I was fortunate. I had a pretty good business run from a very young age. So I packed it in with my family up in Vermont and didn't really need to tackle this, but there was some burning desire inside to literally transform some people. I noticed that anybody my mother got involved in when she was young, she was into yoga, meditation, health food in the 70s and Queens, and people she would interact with, she started to transform. And I had that effect on people. I would get people motivated. We'd go on long bike rides and so here I am in Vermont, I'm kind of winding it down and we're having children, my wife and I, and I'm thinking, man, it would be awesome to motivate people the same way my mother did, the same way I have over my life, my dad did, because my dad was a crazy entrepreneur, but in scale. And I figured at most we'll touch, you know, 50,000 lives, we'll get 50,000 people super motivated and they'll just get, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this podcast. We can get, beep it out if need be. Get stuff done. <laughs> I gotcha. And, and it worked. And you know, this year, a million people will start to get stuff done. So yeah, it's much more than the race. It's a lifestyle. Let's go back to that a little bit. So you grew up in Queens and I, I saw that you were involved in a, a swimming pool construction business early on. Where did that come from? It's funny. I needed to make some money. My dad was doing really well in the seventies and then early eighties started to go downhill. He, uh, ended up losing everything. And my neighbor, as were all my neighbors, were affiliated with organized crime. But my neighbor was the boss of one of the families. And I'm a young kid. I don't even know what that means. Sure. But he sees what I'm going through uh, with my dad losing everything and says, come here, kid. Why don't you clean my pool? I'll give you $35 a week. That leads to another customer, which is you know involved in that business. And another. And before you know it, I had, by the time I graduated college, 750 customers, 80% of which were either in jail, going to jail, or dead. Wow. And, um, and so that was my foray into the business world. And it was a moonshot because it really it started at a very, very young age, right? Just a little past 10 years old and turned out to be this wonderful business over that decade plus, really teaching me all kinds of life lessons. So it sounds like it wasn't anything necessarily that you were growing or coming into that you're passionate about or super amped about. It was just kind of, it was an opportunity. You took that opportunity. It sounds like over the course of several years, I mean, it really scaled up into something pretty significant in the area. Well, this is good for your listeners. You know, I hired in that time, and again, I'm at a young age, right? I'm, I'm 11 years old, let's say, trying to hire kids. And invariably what I found was 90% of the people I hired or tried to hire didn't want to do it. Why would they want to clean pools? They could go do this or they could go do that. And I think the message for your listeners is the best way to get there is just to start going somewhere. Like if you don't know where you're going, you just got to start with something. And so for me, during that period of my life, it was about making money. And then it quickly became about not only making money, but doing a really good job, being a perfectionist at what I was doing. So to some, you know, cleaning pools was silly. Like it was degrading in some ways, right? Sure. And, but I didn't view it that way. I quickly learned that, man, if I could just do this job really well, I'd get paid, I'd achieve my goal of making money. But, but not only that, people would 
recommend me. And so I started to build this identity as this really hardworking, meticulous person. And later in life, that applied to anything I did. It didn't, yeah, it started with cleaning pools, but then it turned into construction. And then I was building houses. And then from there, I went to Wall Street. And so I never lost those attributes. No matter what I was doing, it just always boiled down to being really passionate about it, doing a great job, taking one extra step. And so again, the message to to the listeners is don't worry about what you're doing today. Just do it really well. And before you know it, there's an opportunity to make a right or a left that ultimately leads you to where you want to go. Does it always work out like that? Like, do we always get to a point like if I just if I do well in what I'm doing today, that eventually that that right or left opportunity is going to pop up serendipitously, or like how does that come to be? Like, so I think for some people listening, it's like, yeah, I've been doing it, I've been doing it with excellence, but I'm just I'm frustrated, I'm annoyed, I'm not sure, I don't hate my job, I don't love my job, I don't know what I'd rather be doing. So how long do I need to keep just going through the motions of this thing, or at least doing it with excellence, but not really enjoying it before that new opportunity presents itself? Well, you know, you get to make your own luck, right? And so what do I mean by that? And what I mean is if you're cleaning pools and you ultimately think you'll be passionate about working on Wall Street, let's use that as an example. Well, start cleaning pools for people that work on Wall Street yeah, and do an unbelievable job so that you get the opportunity to have conversations with people that could open doors for you. If you're a massage therapist and you want to become, you, you want to work on a horse farm, well, start doing massage in that part of the country where there's lots of horse farms. Yeah. You know, I was with Tim Ferriss recently and the author of The 4-Hour Body and yep. he said exactly what I'm talking about which was if you want to get into something he found that the ticket, the door opener was volunteer in a place where those people exist. So you want to get in the medical profession whatever it is as I described before, volunteer in that community and outwork every other volunteer, get in earlier, stay later. And before you know it, you're going to strike up a conversation or be around people that could open doors for you. So, so yeah, I think the answer to your question is yes, it doesn't happen by accident. You've got to make sure you point the arrow in the right direction, but at least you're in the game. You know, Admiral McRaven, right? Our senior most special operations officer before he retired a year or two ago, he said, you want to change the world? Start by making your bed. And I think that's what he meant. I think just you can't sit around not doing anything and expect something to happen. Right. You can be doing stuff and expect things to happen. Right, right. And I think there's huge value. And I think even something like uh, you take the Spartan race as an example of, I know for me, you know, I was intrigued by doing a half marathon. So I did my first half marathon and my wife came to see it. And neither of us have ever been runners or any type of elite athlete by any means. But she watched it and just being around it and being in the presence of these people that are doing it and doing it in a way that you'd want to do it. I remember afterwards, even though she was, I think she was about six months pregnant at the time. She's like, all right, listen, if all these jokers can do this, then surely I can do it. And so there's also, I think that like you alluded to earlier, earlier of just the being around those like-minded people starts to at least gain, helps you gain a little more confidence in what may be possible in your own world. Yeah. You know, I was recently with the Cornell wrestling coach who's had an outstanding career. I think one of the coaches with the most wins ever in college, he got 250 plus wins in a very difficult sport. And he said, when the kids first come in for the semester, he'll put them on the treadmill. He'll put the treadmill at full incline at the fastest possible pace the treadmill will go. And, you know, one of the, the kids will go all out. They're tasked with push as hard as you can, and right. they stop. And they say, Coach, that's it. You know, I could not do another second. And all of a sudden, he puts another student next to that student. So now there's some <laughs> competition. And, and, 
and the kids are breaking their previous records by minutes and minutes and minutes. Before you know it, they've doubled where they said they couldn't take another step. Wow. So if you're around people that are getting stuff done, you tend to get stuff. You know what I mean? You, sure. You're around people that are sitting on the couch and drinking. Well, that's what you end up doing. Right. So for you, let's go back to your story a little bit. So you're in the pool business, you're in the construction business. At what point did Wall Street come into play? Was that something that you always aspired to? Or was it just something where it's like, well, I, you know, I see an opportunity there where I can make a couple bucks. So like, where was your head at at that point? Well, I want to answer that by going back one second. Like, I had no intention of being in the swimming pool business. Yeah. I had no intention of being in the construction business. I had no intention of going to Cornell University, which they didn't accept me. And I kept pounding on the door until they did. And I had no intention of going to Wall Street. But I did have an intention on working hard and making money. That was my goal. And, yeah. and these were just ways to achieve that goal. Those opportunities opened up, and I walked through those doors. And so for Wall Street, I had met a gentleman who took a liking to me. Here's a tip for everybody. Always find older people that are successful and try to make them mentors, yeah. teachers. Because they've been there before. And you'd be surprised how much an older person that's been successful actually wants to help younger people. True. You're intimidated to ask, but I know myself right now, I'm so inspired when a young person, a 20-year-old, 15-year-old, whatever they may be, actually shows signs of being a hard worker and just wanting to get stuff done. I'm thrilled to help that person. Thrilled. Right. right. So I was lucky. I stumbled upon this 60-year-old gentleman who had a very successful Wall Street career, and he saw a spark in me. And he was relentless. He would call me every month, you know, at the first of the month for two years saying, what are you doing with construction and pools? You need to get out of Queens. You need to go to Wall Street. And I kept thinking, this guy's a crackpot. I don't know, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> People on Wall Street lose money. They, I remember the 87 crash. And he stayed on me. And he ultimately forced me to take that left turn. At that time, I was making a quarter of a million dollars a year with my business. I was a big man on campus in the sense that I was able to walk in any of these guys' homes and open the fridge. And you know, I had a lot of friends in, in high places in Queens. And I was going to take 10 steps backwards and go earn $35,000 a year on Wall Street, which sounds ludicrous to a 24, 25-year-old. Right. But I did it. And, and it was a very tough first year. I mean, I'm getting berated by people. I didn't know what I was doing. I was making mistakes. And I took, you know, 10 steps backwards to ultimately take, you know, 100 steps forward. So is that ultimately the point of it for you? Was it just like, you know, I've done all I can do or all I aspire to do in the pool or construction business. And over there, I see a new mountain, a new opportunity that can climb. So let's give that a shot, even if that means I have to backtrack a little bit in my career trajectory. But I know that the path, where I want to get to ultimately, the path that I'm currently on isn't going to get me there. So let's switch tracks and mean that I, I'm starting from the bottom. Is that kind of what you were thinking? Yeah, I think I was looking at it and saying, I can't work any more. I'm already working 20 hours a day. Yeah. I've got a ton of trucks. I've got labor problems where guys aren't showing up for work when they're supposed to. So incrementally, I, it would be very hard for me to make, to turn $250,000 into $500,000 a year. I, it would have been a monumental task. And what this gentleman who was mentoring me finally taught me was, wow, the upside is unlimited in the finance business at that time. And for me, don't forget, the goal at that time was I wanted to make money. I wanted to make a good enough living that I could rest for a bit when it was time to launch a family. And so it, you know, I, I rolled the dice and I took, like I said, 10 steps backwards to ultimately move 100 steps forward. 
So whenever you're in Wall Street, you have that first year that it's just a, a disaster for you, it sounds like. At what point are you feeling like you're starting to get the hang of it and you feel like this is maybe something you could do long term? Uh, it took a while. It yeah. took a while. I, I eventually, after a few years, I started my own business there, which was, again, rolling the dice in a big way. And everybody that I had met there suggested that that was a very stupid move. Why would any institution deal with a guy who you know, had a background in swimming pools and construction sure. and only a few years experience on Wall Street and, and they were right. Within 10 months we were going out of business and then the phone rang and one of my best friends now and changed my life forever. He called up with an order, became a, a tremendous customer just like my neighbor in the pool business. I uh, hung on to him for life you know, dearly and made sure I serviced the hell out of him and he recommended, like I said, 10, 20, 30, 40 new customers, and we ended up building a pretty big business. Was it something that you were enjoying doing, or is it still just kind of a means to an end for you? I think in the beginning, whether it was the swimming pools, the construction, uh, Wall Street, or even Spartan, I think in the beginning, the excitement of building something yeah. is enjoyable. Very quickly, it became monotonous, and it was just a means to an end. And what I mean by that, in the beginning, you have a credit card and you're in finance and you feel like uh, you're in the movie Wall Street. You're, you're right. taking people out. You're having expensive dinners. But that gets old really fast. Sure. And just like, uh, again, uh, getting new customers in the pool business or construction is exciting, right? You're building a house or you're building a swimming pool, but that gets old really fast. Yep. But I never, even when it got old, I never lost the passion. I think when you look at what is perseverance or what is grit, it's that ability to stay happy and motivated, you know, even when things are looking boring or bleak or tough. Right. And I never lost that focus of I'm going to do a great job and, and be great at this. And I think that's one of the keys to success for your listeners. Gotcha. So whenever you are wrapping up your time in Wall Street, I know you mentioned that you moved up to Vermont. You're just, are you just kind of semi-retired at that point, trying to figure out what the next chapter of life is? Or what are you kind of thinking? Well, when I was on Wall Street, I always had a picture of a barn on my trading desk. <laughs> One of the ways I would escape reality of the pressures of Wall Street is I would go out on very long adventure races. So I'd go all over the world. That was my my relaxation, doing you know eight or ten days uh, across Alaska in, in January. And so sounds very relaxing. <laughs> and so on one of those trips, actually on all those trips, I would say, "Gee, could I live here?" I, I kept visualizing that barn I had on my trading desk. Could I could I live in northern Canada? Could I live in Switzerland? And ultimately uh, stumbled upon Vermont, met my uh, then-girlfriend who became my wife who was from Boston. I'm from New York. Vermont's kind of in the middle. And it just made, I don't know, it just made sense. I thought, all right, I've made my money. I stuck to my plan for 20 years. I made my money. And I think it's time now to, to take on the next chapter, which was growing a family. So planning on growing the family, are you thinking you're just, you're done with business? Or, I mean, I, I got to assume that someone like you who sounds pretty motivated and driven isn't just thinking, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to raise my family. That's the new priority. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to do this forever and be out of the game. So at what point are you starting to think like, I got to be doing, you know, in the same way that, you know, I, I love business, I love entrepreneurship, but it's way more important to me to be a good husband and father, but I'm also driven to, you know, do something with life in terms of business. So at what point are you starting to think that you want to start something new again? Well, at that point, I was thinking I'd build, I stumbled upon this cool little town, Pittsville, Vermont, and I thought, I like construction. I'm going back to my roots, and I'm going to rebuild a bunch of barns and buildings and restore them to their original luster, and I'll collect rent. That'll be my new business. 
I'll collect rent on these businesses. I'll rebuild a farm. I'll, I'll start a wedding business on, on the other farm we have. I'll rebuild a general store and bring in a, a couple of operators that'll run the general store and pay rent. And so I'm thinking that'll be my new business while I, we pump out, you know, four or five, six kids, however many kids we're going to have. And, and I, I could pay attention to the kids. I, one of the things I had, which a lot of people don't get, was I had a look into 750 lives when I had the swimming pool business. Yeah. What I mean by that is I got to see what worked and what didn't for families, who went broke, who stayed financially sound, who cheated on their wife, who cheated on their husband, who got divorced, who didn't, who went to jail, who didn't. Just like Bruce Lee said, take the good, discard the bad. I think subconsciously across those 750 families over, over a decade, I said, this is what I'm going to do and this is what I'm not going to do. And so I think somewhere back in my head somewhere, I thought, if you want to be successful at raising a family, you can't work 24-7, right? If you want to have a successful family, you got to focus on family. Yeah. And so I had my plan was to collect some rents, really focus on family, and I got caught off guard with Spartan. <laughs> now, before Spartan, I read about this thing that you dubbed the death race. So tell us about that. Well, so it's really funny. Which is back, an endearing title. Back in 2001, I put on my first race down in the British Virgin Islands. And again, this was while I was on Wall Street. And this, I was just dabbling in just fun stuff because I was racing myself. And I put on this race and it cost me a fortune. We lost a bunch of money, but we had a blast. And we lost one of our guys during the race for eight days. He drifted away on a dinghy uh, 150 miles to a deserted island called Little Tobago. Sports Illustrated did a story on it. We didn't know until eight days later that we had lost him. We thought he was dead. We got the Coast Guard involved. They tracked him down in, in a brutal storm and found him on this deserted island eating crabs and drinking water from bottles that had also drifted to this island from the race. Wow. So we coined the term death race out of it was just a you know a fun term. Right. When we thought he was dead. This was truly a death race. So I kept putting on some small races from 2000 2000 as I was still working on Wall Street. When I got to Vermont, I formalized this idea of a death race. It was really based around entrepreneurship, funny enough. I had hired and lost or fired so many people by that point in my life that I wanted to emulate what it was like to be an entrepreneur, run a business, or, or just you know climb Everest, go through hell. And I wanted people to experience it in a 24, 48-hour period, push them up against the wall, kind of like that guy was that drifted you know, to Little Tobago, sure. and find out what, let somebody find out what they're made of during that period of time. And so that was a death race that was going on in Pittsfield. It still loses money today. It was a money loser, but it was a lot of fun to put on, along with some other races I did, which were you know 100-mile snowshoe race and things like that. They were all really meant to drive traffic to Pittsfield, number one, yeah. and number two, to put people up against the wall and find out what they're made of. So the whole time you're doing this, are you done with Wall Street? Or are you still in that? Are you kind of semi-retired? Semi-retired. I got a toe okay. in Wall Street. And I'm basically, I had made a grave mistake. I, none of the businesses in Pittsfield, I could, the races I just described were not making money. The general store was not making money. The wedding business wasn't making money. And I was spending like crazy rebuilding barns and buildings. And so I had a toe in Wall Street from Vermont where I was attempting to pay the bills and not go broke. 
Gotcha. All right. So you're dabbling with a bunch of different races, a couple different businesses. sounds like you're losing money on all of them. None of them really gaining traction. At what point does this idea of Spartan come into it? Because it sounds like in some ways Spartan race is a bit of a, maybe a scaled back version of the death race itself. Well, you know, we, I've said that to the press, but in actuality, it's funny. You forget your previous decades, what happened. There's a guy named Heath, a buddy of mine who over the years I had been training with, we'd go out and do stupid things like carrying dumbbells to the top of a mountain or go out on 40-mile runs. And invariably, every workout I did with this guy, he would say to me, Joe, you got to start a military-styled obstacle race. And I said, Heath, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. No one's going to do that. And this went on for a decade. Every time we work out, he'd say it. And he had in his mind, there was something on TV in the 1980s. I, I don't even know what the show was. But I guess they had something like this where actors were going up against each other. And in 2009, late 2009, I guess there was an article out that a company called Warrior Dash yeah. was having some tremendous success in the Chicago area putting on these obstacle races. And I thought, man, I can't get my races to get more than you know, 100 people to them. This, I don't understand how these guys are getting such big numbers. Yeah. So I flew out to Chicago and I looked and their office uh, had 25 women in the office and they were banging away on computers and working towards uh, recruiting customers. And I thought to myself, I am definitely not doing this. I already have the barns being built, the general store not working, the race is not working. You know, I'm not doing it. And me being a glutton for punishment, I'm, I'm sitting down with my brother-in-law at Thanksgiving dinner right after that trip to uh, Warrior Dash, and I couldn't resist. I sit down with my brother-in-law, and we lay out a business plan for what becomes Spartan, and I launch it. And it was a straight shot to hell. <laughs> what, do <I> mean? <laughs> what do I mean by that? I, this thing was supposed to you know, be a fifty dollars or $100,000 investment, and uh we were recently going through some numbers. I've got $7 million invested in these businesses. And so it's, it's been a hell of a ride. Now, I can justify in my head, we've changed over a million lives. We're going to have a million participants this year. Yeah. It was well worth it. But, you know, the quickest way to become a millionaire in the obstacle racing business is to start with seven. So, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I think that. It's just an interesting point because I'm looking at it from the outside, looking in and going, all right, you've got this background in, in the pool world and construction and Wall Street. And so to make this leap into adventure races where it's not like you were this, I mean, you were doing some of this on the side just for your own benefit and pleasure, but it's not like you'd put a lot of, the, or you, you know, you'd done the death race, but it's not like this is what you grew up in and you were this elite athlete in this culture, but it's just something like, I see this opportunity, so we're going to try this. So that first couple that you do, is the whole thing just a complete failure? It was a complete failure from a financial standpoint. And I kept thinking, I had read what the owner of Subway said about when he was building Subway sandwich shops. Yeah. The first one was a dud. The second one was a dud. And he was quickly going broke. And he thought, if I keep opening them, people, customers, will think that we're doing really well. And so, you know, you fake it until you make it. And, um, and I thought, well, at this point, I'm so far underwater. I guess I got to fake it till we make it. And we just kept putting on races, kept losing money. And I just hoped that there would be some sort of network effect where the person in San Francisco would talk to the person in Texas, would talk to somebody in New York, and they'd just say, you got to try a Spartan race. And it eventually worked, but it took four years of just brutal financial bleeding. 
So how do you like? Why do you not give up at that point, though? I mean, you've got you're going four years of just throwing money after money after money into this black hole. It seems like it's not gaining any traction, or you feel like you may not be getting anywhere. So why don't you give up? And I, and I don't know. Maybe it's just the, the the stubbornness of being a Spartan in general. But but I think for someone that's listening to this, who may again feel in that same spot of going, I'm trying this idea, and I'm trying this idea, and I'm trying this idea, and I just keep hitting the wall, and I just don't know if it's worth it or if I'm giving up too short or too soon or at what point do I give up or should I give up? And so why didn't you give up four years into it where, you're, where it's not going anywhere? Well, that's the $64 million question that people have to ask themselves. I mean, the reason a mountain climber dies is because they don't turn around when they're supposed to. Yeah. So, but if I look at the history of my successes, I didn't make money in the pool and construction business for the first probably six years. I didn't make any money, but I stuck with it. And what I mean by make money is I was able to pay my own bills, but I, it wasn't like we had a profit at the end of the year. When I went to Wall Street, it was the same thing. We Remember, I was going through a really, really tough time before it turned. And so you end up learning from your past successes that perseverance is going to get you to the top. The problem is if you use that technique that got you to the top in the past, it could be fatal, like in the example of the mountain climber. Sure. And Spartan was nearly fatal three times. I remember my bookkeeper walking over to me in the office one day and saying, you're dead. We can't pay our bills. Not just at Spartan, but you've completely wiped us out everywhere. And I thought, that's not good. (laughs) (laughs) I called a bunch of buddies on Wall Street and I said, look, this is not going to make sense. You don't understand what I'm doing here, this race thing. But I need money and I need it it fast. And they saved the day. They sent me money on Monday with no paperwork and they were awesome. And then a second group saved the day a year later, and then a third group saved the day a year after that. So I don't really have an answer for you. I mean, I think people out there that are struggling and saying, should I do this? Should I pivot? Should I quit? I think that question can only be answered uh, based on what they want their legacy to be. If you want to be the greatest mountain climber that ever lived, you might take the chance in bad weather to go the remaining 100 meters and get to the top. It could be fatal. If you want to be you know, the greatest Wall Street trade, you might go for it. For me, I would say it was a little bit of stupidity with Spartan, a little bit of passion. There was something in my gut, though, that was telling me this could work, and it did. All right. I gotta, uh, I'm curious if you ever worried that it would fail when you are at those points. So what we're going to do, though, I'm going to let you ponder that for a second. I got a couple other questions about the Spartan race in general and Spartan the brand. But we're going to save those for the bonus round. But before we wrap up here, you've got your own podcast, Spartan Up, and I've listened to several episodes. Really, really good stuff. Tell us a little bit about what the Spartan podcast is and uh, why someone maybe should tune in and subscribe. It's funny. It's very similar to the questions you're asking. I want to know, is my instinct correct about success? are these attributes that I have in my head, the, the secrets to success. And so I said, you know what, it'd be cool to do a podcast, but I'm only going to do it if I get to interview successful people. It could be a monk. It could be you know Richard Branson, the guy who shot Bin Laden we released yesterday. And so I interview them for 20 minutes, and I just want to know, what are the attributes that got them to where they are so that selfishly I could use some of them myself yeah. <laughs> and the right. listeners could use some. <laughs> 
Excellent. Good stuff. Well, people definitely stop by and check that out. Spartan Up is a great podcast. Make sure you subscribe to that with an iTunes or wherever you may be listening to your podcast. Leave a rating and review on that one as well. But really good stuff. Joe, we've got to get a couple more questions. So we'll hop back on uh, and I encourage people to stick around for the bonus round. We'll be coming at you uh, again real quick. But Joe, in the meantime, in addition to the Spartan Up podcast, where else can we find out more about you and Spartan Race and what you guys have going on? Just go to Spartan.com. Cool. Sounds good. All right. We'll be coming right back with the bonus round. Boom. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that interview with uh, Joe DeSinner of Spartan. Really, really good stuff there. Really, man, just really, really fascinating story and journey of this guy who, you know, built something really impressive and then was trying a couple different odds and ends and things where he wasn't really getting any traction and wasn't really sure what to do next. And so, again, maybe you feel like you're in that spot. Maybe you're trying a couple different things, trying to figure out how do I make this work? What is my thing? What is it that I'm supposed to do? And, you know, I love not only Joe's grit and determination and just sticking with it, but not only with what he was doing and trying a variety of different businesses, but also just with the brand Spartan in general. That's what it's all about is, is being able to just dig your heels and say, no, no, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to keep pushing forward. And so wherever you are, whatever may be going on in life, maybe that's what you need to know right now is you got to keep pushing forward. Don't quit. Don't give up. You're so close. So just keep moving the ball forward. Hey, if you enjoyed the interview, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast. We'd also love if you left us a rating and review within iTunes that really helps us out and help other people to find the show. And always feel free to email me, grant at grantbalden.com. Let me know what you're chewing on, what you're wrestling with. Let us know if there's anything that we can do for you. Also, as always, if you enjoyed the interview, we encourage you to stick around for the bonus edition. We stuck around. Joe and I talked for another couple minutes, so you can download that at grantbalden.com or within your app, wherever you are listening to this uh, interview right now, you can download that material and listen to another uh, five, six minutes. Joe and I chat for another few, uh, so you want to check that out. So, all right, that wraps up this episode of the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us. Really appreciate it. We'll be coming at you again real soon. You're awesome. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.